Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is Archery Unfiltered, the show that cuts out all the nonsense and gets right to the core of what it takes to make you a better archer. What is happening, fuckos? Welcome, everyone, to Season 2's Episode 9. Um, I just wanted to start tonight by saying thanks to Tom Fleischer. Um, really, thanks to everyone who participated in the uh, hat giveaway. Um, I had like a really cool one-of-one one, like black camo archery unfiltered hat, and... I, you know, I said for anyone that made a post that tagged Archery Unfiltered and said which episode you liked, you know, I would, you would, your name would be in the hat. Well, that's kind of a weird pun, but your name would be drawn into this list of uh, a pile of names that I ended up just, the way I picked the winner was I assigned everyone's name a number and then I just went to Google and typed in random number generator, pressed the number (laughs) and whoever popped up got it. So it was uh, Tom Flesher um, from PA. I think he's from PA. I think that's what I wrote down. Uh, super cool dude. Looks like a really avid hunter. Um, supporter of the show. So uh, thank you very much for supporting the show and spreading the word. Uh, for everyone else that didn't win it but you know shared, uh, thank you guys. I appreciate it. Um, it seems like Seems like this little show is growing out of state. Um, so I hope, Mike, you know, I'm going to cover a lot of California stuff, and I hope it doesn't, you know, outrightly bore the shit out of you guys. Um, but first, first and foremost, Indoor Nationals. Did you guys watch it? It was sick. I think it's, it was in Louisville. It started with the USA Archery, you know, Super 10. It was Braden Galantine and Chris Schaff. I think I already talked about that. Um, you could kind of tell Chris Schaff was something was off, maybe, maybe with the bow, you know, um, hard to say. You could tell that he, there's like a little bit of like, mm, shit, like a little bit of confusion, but he was going to play his game plan. He was going to shoot a shot regardless. Um, there's a, a moment watching Braden shoot off against Chris where you see Chris like add some clicks to his sight and he shoots and then he kind of looks at his sight like, hmm, what the fuck? So that was interesting to see. Um, Chris Schaff is always a really fun... Like, he's one of my favorite shooters to watch. Because um, he's a really cool style. Um, like, his stance is, is pretty neat, unique. He runs, you know... Uh, usually runs, like, SK300s. I think he's shooting tack veins now. But he was running with flex fletch veins. Like he's shooting, like, a smaller vein than most people on his indoor arrow. Not that it mattered. I think at a certain point you're gonna get <laughs> you're gonna get all the vein you need, and you know it seemed to work for him. Um, but it's always cool to watch Chris Schaff shoot. Uh, likewise with Braden Galantine. Braden Galantine's got like a really neat style. 
Brayden kind of has this uh, release that he does, which kind of reminds me of like the Bodie Turner. You know, they said like, keep your release moving. I think Bodie shoots a click. I think Brayden doesn't shoot a click. I remember he said once it's too much for like, it's too much for his anxiety, basically. Um, I don't know if that's still true or not, but if you watch Brayden shoot, he starts with his release, you know, almost straight up and down, like vertical, and then he moves it. He'll like operate it with his pinky, keeps the release flowing. I think Brayden has disco- like discovered this method of shooting that is kind of along the lines of the Joel and Bodie Turner, you know, keep your release going type type thing. I don't know if Brayden has a a mantra or whatever, but either way, I'm getting a little off track. It was cool to watch. Um, On to the five spot. The five spot senior pro. I had two buddies that made it to the shoot-off. Tim Otis and Paul Penrod. Those dudes were Reading partners last year. And they both made it to the finals on the five-spot shoot-off. It was a badass. Um, yeah, I didn't notice if Paulie brought skinny arrows, but it looked like um, Tim brought some some skinnies to the ball. Because, um, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in the five-spot shoot-off, it goes to inside-out, where you can't touch the line. you got to be like inside and so a lot of guys switch to the skinnier arrows for that. Um, freaking cool. It was cool to see two guys I know make it to the shoot-off. Uh, freaking awesome. Um, both of them hung in there. Uh, I think between the two, I think Paul ended up uh, dropping out just a little bit earlier. And Tim kind of hung in there just a little bit longer. Um Actually, I think Tim held in there quite a bit longer. I think Tim was like third third to last or fourth to last. I mean, third or fourth from first. So it was really cool. Tim is such a nice guy. Uh, actually, both of them are really nice. Tim and Paul, if you guys ever get a chance to meet them, um, they're always shooting nationals, big events. Uh, they're just they're super nice guys, down to earth. Um Tim's got like a, he's always smiling and laughing and like being nice and he's got really white teeth. <laughs> so if you <laughs> see a guy with like, that looks like a toothpaste model, that's probably Tim. Um, yeah, man, I love seeing my friends do well. At least I call them my friends. I don't know if they would call me their friends. I hope so. But I love seeing guys I know make it to the shoot offs. Um, you know, I, I want to say it's any dog's day all the time. That's kind of like my, my go-to phrase. These guys aren't just any dogs. <laughs> These guys are always making it. Paul and, and uh, Tim, they were they did the shoot-off in Reading last. You know, they these guys are always up there. Um, so, yeah, you guys might know them, you know. I know some of my, my homies, some of the people that listen to this from out of state. Do you know Tim? Do you know Paul Penrod? Tim Otis, Paul Penrod, these guys are badasses. I met Tim at the first Dakota Classic. He beat me. <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, fuck, I thought I had it in the bag. And then Tim beat me, and it was just hard to hard to be disappointed because the guy was just so damn friendly. <laughs> and then we we saw each other at a bunch of other nationals. It was 
fucking bananas. So, um, anyway, congrats to you guys. Um, you know, your buddy Wendell, big fan. I uh, love watching, seeing you guys on, on the big screen. Uh, you guys wear those jerseys well. <laughs> you represent well. Um, let's see. In the news, I gotta say, I, I, I heard some stuff that I thought I wanted to share with you guys. Um, every so often I'll throw out some some stuff to my, my buddy Rudy. My buddy Rudy is a hardcore Hoyt Easton supporter, you know. He's very loyal. And so I just like to razz him. I like to razz him from time to time. Um, and one little thing that was in, in the, uh, I don't know if it was in the news, but it's kind of in like the, uh, the outdoors water cooler, uh, what do they call that? The news we're getting around. So a lot of you guys know that, um, gold tip arrows is owned by like a larger, I don't know if it's called a buyer's group or just owned by a larger company called Vista outdoors. Well, Vista also owns federal ammunition and they're sending um a bunch of bullets to ukraine (laughs) how about that i don't know where you stand on the whole ukraine russia thing i I doubt you're pro russia but uh vista's sending a bunch of fucking bullets to uh (laughs) to the ukrainians pretty cool i mean it would be cool if we could get bullets here you know it seems like getting bullets to just go hunting is uh, like damn near impossible these days, but pretty cool. And so, you know, I wanted to tell Rudy, Hey man, uh, Vista sending bullets to Ukraine. What the fuck is Easton doing to help? <laughs> and Reese, I think Rudy's answer was like, Oh, uh, you know, um, Easton, uh, helped us get to the moon. Uh, and everyone knows we never landed on the moon, Rudy, <laughs> bunch of bullshit. <laughs> if you believe that, I gotta tell you every minute there's a sucker born. So, um, someone asked me, hey, like, uh, can can shooting with people drag you down, like, performance-wise? Um, I do think, yeah, it, it can be. I think that's why, like, a lot of good shooters are very selective about who they want to shoot with. Um, some people, I mean, some shooters, they don't care. They'll shoot with anybody. But um, I know some people, they kind of want to go out and concentrate and you know they want to they want to shoot with other people that are going to be concentrating um i don't i I don't think that if you're like an up-and-coming shooter and you want to shoot with someone who has some like prestige behind their name um and they turn you down i wouldn't get too upset by it because um you know maybe they don't want to answer a bunch of questions or they don't want their brain picked because they're they want to focus on working out their own, you know, their own shit, working out their own shot. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't take offense. Someone had just asked me that, and, you know, I, I like shooting with people that are also in that that focus, self-focus um, thing, and I also like shooting with people that, you know, put the screws to me uh, when we're shooting a, a scoring round or something. Uh, I used to say all the time when I was coaching a bunch of kids, I would say, you know, iron sharpens iron. And uh, I still believe that. And so it's it's kind of cool. Um, you know, the, my, the friends that I used to kind of beat on are all shooting really good right now. And everyone's just getting better. So, you know, if I do get a chance to go out and practice with them, 
it's nice to have um it's you know to get that push to get that push from your friends and so you know i would find people that are in a similar similar skill set to you you know it is always beneficial if you can find someone better than you um that will take the time to shoot with you that's always fun sometimes people just want uh, a soft body to to beat the shit out of <laughs> which is admittedly so i'll tell you guys a story um the guy that started sh- like coaching me originally wanted me as an outlaw partner because he saw i could shoot i have a six handicap you know shooting as a fresh guy and he was like well i can coach this guy i can teach this guy to shoot like a three and he'll still be a six and you know it just took a couple years and i was able to cut down all my handicap points i lost all all value for him but um when he couldn't coach me when he was at work or with his kids or his wife or whatever there was another guy at the club that i shot with a guy named ryan and um ryan was a much better field archer than i was uh admittedly uh i think in the scheme of the outlaws i think he made it to like a two handicap, maybe even a one handicap at one point. So that will tell you guys, he's like a nine, 11, nine, 13, maybe even a nine, 15 shooter at, at the height of his game. Um, and so I think like, don't quote me on that, but Ryan, he was really good, uh, field archer and he loved to shoot with me cause he loved beating, <laughs> like just beating the shit out of me basically. Um, but that was learning for me, you know, because I'm also very competitive and I wanted to beat Ryan like early on, you know, sometimes if someone's like consistently beating on you when they have bad days, it will feed you <laughs> like fire you up to shoot better. And then when they have good days, it'll fire you up to to make it so that their lead is not as strong anymore. And then before you know it, you're closing the gap you're shooting the same scores you know maybe they'll have a bad day and you'll shoot the same score and then before you know it you're starting to catch up maybe even get past that person so you know i had issues with you know when i had my own little drama with ryan um but i probably shot against him more than most people and uh he is you know very um what's the word instrumental into me developing as an archer, at least during this phase, during this like up and coming phase, um, of my own archery, you know, since then, you know, I've Ryan stopped and then I shot, you know, with Emerson, uh, this guy started shooting at Rebo or that's like my home club in Oakland, uh, named Tamon. And he was a fast, you know, Tamon was a fast, um, gainer on points. So, you know, me and Tamon, kind of mixed it up for a little bit and then you know i started shooting with the guys out in the pacifica area and you know just all over all over i've had for the short amount of time i've been shooting i've had a lot of archery lives i guess maybe four (laughs) and i'm shooting with the west coast cats but unfortunately i'm shooting like the least i've ever shot (laughs) but anyway uh yeah that that was all in like a I can't remember if someone asked me that a long time ago. It, it just kind of came up in my head. Um, like, you know, why, like, why do you want to shoot with certain people? And, 
usually I just say iron sharpens iron, you know, that's kind of like the easiest thing. Um, so this is going to be a cool week of podcasting for the show. Uh, I'm cutting a basic Thursday episode as always. Um, on Saturday, I'm going to have a, a guest. I'm going to interview a guest, hopefully educate you fuckos a little bit about some archery shit. And then Sunday, I'm going to go shoot the cartoon classic up in Lodi. And that will be, um, I'll, you know, I'll probably do another podcast for that on the long drive up there. So this is going to be a podcast heavy week. <laughs> so, um, Saturday, I'm going to be interviewing Tom Parkinson. Uh, he's the guy that builds Steve Anderson strings. He, I bought a set of strings from him for my TRX. Um, he's a super knowledgeable guy. I intend to pick his brain about strings and, and tell me what are we looking for on a good set of strings? You know, what's the best material? What's optimal? What's the, even D loop. The guy knows so much stuff and you guys know me. I'm, I'm not trying to sell you anything. The stuff that Tom's going to tell on this show will be stuff that you can use wherever, you know, I, he'll be the first guy to tell you, you don't have to buy, you don't have to buy string. You know, this is not going to be like an advertisement for Tom. I mean, it kind of will be considering the guy knows so goddamn much about, you know, string building. Uh, like I started tying a knock set that Tom taught me, or he actually taught everyone. It was on Facebook where he ties a really simple, like three knot and then one over. I used to tie like a, five and four or six and five something like that that i learned from dave cousins under uh, and tom also goes under not over and i know some people go uh under knock over knock uh, we can get way into that stuff i'll you know i'll pick his brain on that stuff when the uh, podcast comes around but the dude's got a lot of knowledge um i mean you guys probably already know he's a 452x believer like most of us um nowadays I think the old like BCYX craze has kind of died down, um, but you know there's always stuff. There's you know bloodline strings are kind of getting popular. Uh, ghost strings are still there. Uh, freak show. There's still you know, there's going to be all these proprietary things, and we'll go over all that stuff. I'm not going to trash any brands. I'm not going to get down that thing. I don't want to. I'm not going to start debating shit with a bunch of fucking sellouts <laughs> but hopefully what it's going to be is um just an educational show so it'll be fun tom's a cool guy if you guys ever check out his um his facebook uh tom parkinson's you know uh facebook it's freaking cool uh he calls his facebook park dash n dash sons and he's always testing stuff like what causes an arrow to that a bear shaft to clock one direction or another, you know, um, just stuff like that. How does he, you know, knock tune arrows? Uh, he goes into like, oh, let's see, what what else does he do? He, he's got all kinds of stuff. He's, he's like, he shows strings that he's built that last like three years <laughs> on, on fucking hunting bows. It's cool. You guys just check it out, and, and I'll just stop jabbering on about it um so one thing i wanted to get into 
I had a really cool talk with a buddy of mine this week. And before, you know, I'm going to tell you guys the story and, and why uh, in a second. But I basically gave my friend unsolicited advice, all right? Um, kind of like coaching, at least in my mind, it was co- like a, a form of coaching. Before anyone messages me and asks me to coach them, I should tell you right away, my answer is going to be no, all right? I'm not a coach, all right? I give unsolicited advice on this podcast. You can always hit me up on Instagram or Facebook and drop me a message and, you know, if I have time, I'll, th- I'll answer the question in the podcast. Um, but before you guys get an idea for asking me for coaching, the answer is no. I'm a terrible coach, all right? All I can tell you guys is stuff that I've done to get me to where I've been, all right? So I've I've hit certain accomplishments in archery, and I can just tell you how I got there, all right? And so, good buddy of mine, just for the sake of the story, we'll just call him Jimbles, all right? Uh, Jimbles is recovering from a, an injury, and uh, or he has recovered from an injury where he couldn't shoot for man months, months and months. And uh, when he did start shooting, he could only shoot a low number of arrows. Okay, so now um, Jimbles has you know fresh set of strings. Jimbles is the guy who turned me on to the Parkinson strings. Um, you know. He shoots an Invicta, which is like brutal on your arms, <laughs> but he's healed enough to shoot it. Um, me and Jim we used to be outlaw partners, right? Jim was like a, a three handicap shooter. And for anyone wondering what a three handicap shooter, that's like a 909 to a 911 on a 924 round, or, um, th- you know, 1299, 1302 on a, on a 60 target Mark 3D round. In, in Reading, it would be like someone that shoots a 1510 to a 1514. That's about Jim. That's Jim's, when he was shooting really good, for him at the time, it was like a three handicap. And he struggled with a mental, I, I think he struggled with mental game stuff. I'm sure he's listening to this like, fuck you for talking about me. But I'm just going to talk about it. That's just how I am. The show's called Unfiltered. So I'm just going to tell you guys what. <laughs> I'm not going to censor myself, damn it. Um, so I think Jim was like a three handicap shooter. And when the mental part of archery kicked him in the dick, it turned him into a five handicap shooter. So as long as he could keep his mind clear, Jim was always capable of doing amazing shit. He shot... <laughs> I want to say state indoor round, and I, I want to say he only dropped two, but he he beat me when I was shooting really good indoor scores, and it was like he just got his Invicta. He had set it up. He maybe put a couple arrows through it. It was like a week old, and he shot his personal best 450 round, scoring for, scored 450 round. And it's because he went into it, you know, well, my theory is he went into it with a clear mind. He didn't ex- have any expectations on himself. Um, he's a guy, and you guys might know shooters like this too, or you might be one of these shooters where the second expectations you you put expectations on yourself, um, the hill you're climbing gets way steeper all of a sudden, you know. And I see this 
you know, with other guys where their practice scores are fucking dope. And then the second it comes to scoring, it's like they're a whole different person, right? Or it's like they didn't just put all this awesome practice in. And so, um, you know, I've, I've seen this. I've been watching Jim shoot for years now, and I can see like there's all this potential in in his shooting, at least score wise. As soon as he clears these roadblocks out of the way, right? Like as a shooter, he's got everything that you need to be a high level shooter, a high score shooter. He can do it. It's just when certain roadblocks get in in the way. It, they might as well just walk up and take his bow and throw it on the ground, you know. Grant, okay, he also has bad luck where shit knocks his bow over a lot too. <clears throat> it's you know that aside. All right, we're talking about the mental part. So I'm slowly seeing him, like if the mental issues are thorns, I'm slowly seeing him remove these thorns. And it's happening now that he's like recovering from the shoulder injury and he's getting out to shoot. You can kind of see it like not only is he picking up where he left off, but he's like able to maybe it's because he's just wiser or he's had time away from the sport. Time to think. It's like he he's free to solve these little problems that kind of bugged him before. Maybe he's just happy to be out shooting also. But I'm I'm starting to think that you know he's he's hitting a new level, uh, or he's about to. Hopefully, this he doesn't listen to this, and then it all goes to his head and fucks him up. But he was telling me that he was shooting a half field round, and I'm going to get into some some stuff here. All right, so Jimbles and uh, and another buddy of mine, the way they used to practice was they would shoot a half field round. Right, they'll shoot a half field round. You know, four arrows. I don't know if they're doing it all on the hunter face or all on the the field face or whatever. They'll shoot uh, their half field round, which is 14 targets, four arrows apiece. All right, let's do the math here. What's 14 times four? That's 56 arrows. And then they would multiply their score by two, and then they would say, okay, I'm about a, you know, 540 blank shooter or a 550 blank shooter. Um, I never liked that. <laughs> These guys, I remember a long time ago, and I never told this to their face, told this to them, told this to them. Wait, I'm a, how am I saying that? I never told this to them, to their face. But every time they would do that and tell me what they shot on their half field round practice, I would roll my eyes super hard. Here's why. Uh, endurance, as much as archery is a sp- the sport of fat guys, right? Or the soft people. There is endur- endurance comes into play in this game, especially on a field round or a safari or, you know, something like Redding. Maybe less so in Redding because in Redding you're doing 25 targets a day and it's two arrows a target, right? Um, but like if you go to the Break the Barriers event, the Break the Bar- Barriers event down in Freont or whatever, it's 100 targets and it's one arrow. Um, I think it's like 50 and 50. I can't remember what how many you're shooting each day. But basically, um, this half field round is not, in my mind, is not enough arrows. It's it's like, 
it's like sprinting 10 yards and then calculating how fast you can run a mile based off of that 10 yards. Or, you know, a good example. I, I, I was telling my buddy, like, that's a, not an effective way to practice. Kyle Douglas doesn't shoot half a Vegas round and then just multiply his score by two. I mean, guys like Douglas and, like, Real Wild, if you guys ever look at Real Wild's Instagram, when he starts practicing for indoor, there is piles and piles of targets on the floor from him just doing repetitions, right? So I was trying to tell my buddy, the half field round is, is not helping you, right? Especially if you're just going to multiply that number by two and and then extrapolate what you would be shooting, right? Not that he's doing that anymore, but I don't believe that... I, I believe that by doing that, multiplying your score by two, all you're doing is stroking your ego. You're just saying like, okay... I'm not going to shoot the other 14 targets, but I'm just going to assume that I score the same as the first 14, which and we all know that's not it's not how archery plays out. Okay, like all the targets are different, different target face, you know, wind angle, elevation, whatever. Each target is going to have its own challenges. So you really need to either shoot a full field round, which is what I used to do. Granted. I was single, <laughs> didn't have a wife and kid. Um, and I also had a buddy that was right there with me who was like, okay, if we shoot a half field round, we're shooting a ton of arrows and we're scoring all of them. We're not scoring, we're not doing four arrows. I mean, me and my buddy, we used to do like eight out, eight arrow, 14 target rounds. Or we would do, I mean, I used to play this game called four to pass, right? Or maybe it was five to pass. It was a weird number where it was like, if you miss one, you start over, and you gotta you gotta shoot it clean, right? Um, I've done all kinds of like little tricks and games to make it so you end up putting way more arrows downrange than you need to. Um, I, I would also just workshop targets, anything that was outside of forty yards, or if it was a tough forty yarder. I, w- I would workshop, shoot the whole quiver at this one target, okay? So I told my buddy, hey, don't do that. Shoot a six arrow. If you're going to shoot f- 14 targets, shoot six arrows. Um, and I have to back up. I, this is in response to he was He messaged me and said, hey, dude, I think I'm I'm in a groove here. I think I'm, I'm doing better than usual. Like, I'll, I'll let you know if I, the momentum carries on. And then he messaged me. He's like, well, that was quick. It, it didn't carry on. And he was kind of starting to get down on himself. And he told me, he said, you know, I thought it was going to be any dog's day. <laughs> and there was a bunch of like, like heart, like tough love came out of me then. Because it was like, I, I, I get, I don't know, I, I love this guy, right? So I want to see him do well. But I don't want to see him put his eggs into baskets that it doesn't have to be in, right? So I told him, like, dude, what are you talking about? This is practice. Like, it's not, it doesn't matter how good you do in practice because you're, pre- you're preparing. You don't want your any dog's day moment to be in practice. You want it to be in competition, right? Um, so I was trying to tell him, like, dude, your mindset is, you got to adjust your mindset. And part of this mindset I understand 
and I think it's what gets a lot of people is when they go to these tournaments or, or there's like this, this feeling in archery where it's like, if I don't do good now, I'm never going to do good. Like, this is it. This is my moment to do good. And I'm, if I fuck it up, that's it. The way to get over that is to think about shooting archery two years from now or three years from now. Are you still going to be shooting? Like, I would hope so. And if you, you know, if you can see yourself shooting in the future, it will ease the feeling of, of thinking I have to get it done now. Right? Like, this is my moment. That, that moment of I need to, like, now's my moment to shine or, our, or I'm, you know, I fucked it up is a mindset that can sink your boat so fast. It can undo hard work that you've put in just because the the mental aspect of archery is so powerful and carries over so crazy. And so I tried telling him like, dude, like the any dog's day thing is is for competition days. It's not for practice. You know, like who gives a shit how good you're doing now? Like if you do good in practice, just save it for yourself and build on it. Know that you did it like I try to think of really good practice days as food for your confidence, right? Like your confidence is like this little thing that lives in your brain. It it feeds on good days, right? And if you can feed that that little animal, uh, lock it up and don't let that thing out until it's until you're shooting arrows again, you know? Um it's a, I don't know, I'm full of metaphors. I'm not stoned. I swear, guys. I'm I'm totally sober. I've just been thinking about this all day today. I've been thinking about archery. I've been thinking about my buddy all day. It's been in the back of my mind. So I told my buddy, if you're going to shoot 14 arrows and you're going to or 14 targets, shoot 6 arrows a target at very least. And of course, my buddy is like, "No, I can't. I'm going to be sore." You know, my fucking, you know, he gave me a thousand reasons why. And Instantly, I was like a little put off. I was like, dude, come on. It's not that many arrows. All right. So let's let's do a quick, uh, let's do some more math, okay? 14 targets, six arrows a target comes out to 84 arrows. It's under 100 arrows. And, and maybe 84 is getting up there for some people. But if you're going to do... If you're going to do 56 arrows, which is the half field round, and you take 30 arrows to warm up, you're basically at 80, you know, you're at 86 arrows right there. So every so often, I'm, I'm terrible at math, but I'll try to use math to prove my points, okay? So 14 times 6, 6 arrows target, that's 84 arrows. If you score each arrow like an 11, in the end, what you'll get is your score out of a 924. And yeah, there is there is a flaw with this, okay? The flaw being you're not going to get the same range of distances that you'll get shooting a safari round, right? Safari round, you're going to have everything from 2 yards to 100. <clears throat> a half field round, it's going to be like an abridged, you're going to get 15 to 80, you know, it, your field might have a hundred yard target. Mine does. So every chance I get, I'll shoot that hundred. Um, what you won't get is the two yarder. That's kind of something you got to do on your own or do at home. Um, but still, 
it's still good practice. And that number out of 924 can feed that little confidence monster. If, if you know what I'm saying. A bulk of your shooting at any safari event, a bulk of it is going to be between, be between 20 and 80 yards. Uh, you know, 90% of it is going to be between those distances. So I was trying to tell my buddy, like, shoot six. I didn't want to tell him because it was going to be out of 924. I was going to, you know, I figured he would do good out of a 924. The main purpose for the six arrows was the volume. And when you start shooting a volume, you start shooting more arrows than necessary for a field round. You stop thinking of scoring it like a field round. And you start thinking about, okay, like instead of saying I can't miss, you start saying like let's keep the miss percentage low, all right? The words start to change in your mind. Instead of instead of missing one and then punishing yourself like, fuck, I missed one. Oh, you know what I mean? And that was it. You think I have six arrows, like if you miss your first, I can correct it. I got six shots here. If you miss your second, I got six shots. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you'll get them. You'll get those. You'll get a couple of them at least. And the other beauty of six shots is if you make a mistake, you have shots to figure out what mistake you made. It's one thing I like. If I have all day to shoot, I'll workshop every. If there's a target, I miss one arrow on. I'll throw my whole quiver at it twice. You know what I mean? Just to just to work work it out until it's not an issue anymore. You know, whatever that issue was, you've ironed it out. Um where I like where my home range is, there's a, a course that is like almost always non operational. <laughs> um and there's always animal targets on it, so no one likes to shoot it. It's all overgrown. I mean, it's probably not all overgrown right now, but it has some of the steepest cuts or steepest, you know, from where you shoot to where the target is. And you're cutting, you know, anywhere from one to three yards a bunch. When I was getting ready for writing in the past, I would almost exclusively shoot on that section of the field because if you guys remember, once you work your way into the canyon in Redding, it's a lot of steep shooting. It's a lot of steep uphill, and it's like it's not even far. You're not shooting like you're not shooting very many things beyond forty, you know. But the the angles and the steepness is the thing that catches a lot of people. They're not used to holding degrees up, you know, you know, x number degrees up. And when they start to when they do, the thing that gets people is like they're like, oh crap, my shot timing is going to be totally different now. Like you can see it. Your little stamina bar for that one shot wears out super quick. You know, it just drains super fast. And you get people punching shots or, you know, forcing shots off at, you know, weird times because it's just not natural for them to shoot at those angles. Yeah, man, now that I think about it, I should really get back out to that course and start, <laughs> start workshopping that when I can. Um, so my buddy went... And he didn't do exactly like I said, which is fine. I I, I imagine most of the shit I um, suggest to people, 
I imagine most of you don't do it. <laughs> Maybe some of you do. All right. Um, but he didn't do exactly what I said, but he did mostly shoot six arrows target. And what ended up happening in the end was he ended up surprising himself. And he ended up shooting way better than he normally would. Um, and, you know, maybe I can't say that. Maybe that is the norm for him now. I haven't been able to shoot with him in weeks. But I think he shot really decently. And I think in the end when I told him, like, hey, this is the score that you shot based on what you told me. Um, I think it surprised him. I think he was like, holy shit. I did do, I did do decent. And like, there's more benefits than just that, right? The be- So he's fed the confidence monster first and foremost. Secondly, he put the same number of arrows in that he's going to shoot if he goes to shoot a, a novelty, a safari round, a 924 round, all right? His stamina is going to get better shooting that way. There's... There's just a bunch of benefits to it. Like the big one is the mental thing. When you start shooting a high volume of arrows, um, like just the, the mental aspect changes. And then you know, let's not get into the whole. Well, you know, we'll get into it. Fuck it, we got time. The Huberman Lab, all right. The he's like the neuro neurosurgeon or neuroscientist from Stanford. He straight up says, if you're trying to get better at something, repetition is the best way. And scientifically, right, they've tested this on people. The people that learn faster are the people that don't get punished for their mistakes. Right? The people that um like I think it was like Super Mario that they were playing. When you when you died, if you start all over from the beginning, it takes you longer to complete a level versus if you died, if it just said, Oops, there you go, start over from right there. You know, try again. That try again attitude is the thing that's going to help you learn faster you're going to get better faster doing that that shit is free <laughs> you don't got to pay for that you take that to the bank repetition and not punishing yourself for making a mistake is how you get better so you know granted you can't be a narcissist either you can't miss and be like ah, I'm, I'm i'm still the shit that's okay like you got to be punished a little bit. <laughs> Joel Turner even said, let that be the fire to like that feeling you get when you miss. Let that be the thing that fires you up to not make that mistake again. He's like, remember your mistakes. It's the exact opposite. Joel Turner's teachings are like the opposite of with winning in mind. And, you know, I, I respect both of their approaches to it with, with winning in mind is like, stay positive you know, you got to keep the negative demons out because, um, you know, your next arrow is the one that matters. But I think there's a healthy balance on both, you know, and, and I'm sure I, you know, I haven't taken Joel Turner's course, so he might even be saying that something similar in the long run. But, you know, it's okay. It's okay to miss. It's if you can use it and not not let it make you spiral into a a shitty shitty situation basically so that was me talking about about my buddy's personal life to all of you (laughs) to all of you um you know it's cool it's like i said like watching my buddies 
get better, it's really cool. And I'm like watching my buddy Rudy shoot better. Um, it's awesome. Uh, it's a surprise for me because I've shot with these guys and they've put down very consistent scores. And I always kind of thought, well, as long as they keep doing the thing that they're doing, that's how they're going to shoot. If they don't change anything, that's just going to be the way they shoot. It's like in my mind, I know what I have to do to get better. So I'm going to do my thing, which is always kind of evolving one way or another. And now I'm seeing my friends evolve and get better. And they think outside of the box. Now I can pick their brains, you know, and I can learn from them. So it's one thing, like one reason why I tell you guys all this stuff is because I'm hoping that you guys can help me get better. You know, it's why I'm always preaching about California archery. It's like California, we got some, we got some heavy hitters. You know, you'll find a couple of our names in the record books, but in large, it's like we don't have really strong shooters in California that were rare and few. You get like the Montana guys are heavy duty. The Washington, Washington guys are heavy duty. Uh, the Canadians are just got, they got like one, right? But it's, you know, we got a lot of people in California. We should be able to do, do more than just, you know, fuck up a state with dumb voting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> a bunch of people are like, "Oh no, it's getting political." Uh. Nah, um, I mean, we won't get into it, but yeah. Um, so yeah, there you have it. Like one way to get better if you if you're strapped for time and you normally shoot a half field round, shoot more arrows. Don't just do four. Um, like. It's like exercising, you know, this, practicing is, you're exercising a lot of stuff. It's not just your bow arm and your release arm. It's your timing. It's your, you know, neurons, whatever, all that stuff. It's like, I've always compared archery to flipping a bottle of water. You ever see those kids on the internet, they'll flip a bottle of water and it'll land on its base. It's like, yeah, that's cool. Now do it 30 times in a row. Now do it 30 times in front of a crowd of people. It's it's like that, you know? So, all right, guys. Um, let's see. It's any dog's day when it's not do or die. <laughs> I think that's what I had written for my notes. Um, I wouldn't be doing my service for California Archers if I weren't going to tell you guys about upcoming shoots. So this weekend, the Lodi Bowman is having the cartoon classic. It's the second leg of the Outlaws, uh, the Outlaw series. It's my personal favorite of the events because um, historically I've done pretty pretty good at this event. But it's also my favorite because it's a very ba- the course is not extremely difficult, right? It's like a, a medium. It's an easy to medium course but it's a lot of targets. It's, it's, it runs the gambit. You got some uphill, you got some downhill, you got some over a hump. You get, they got the hundred yarder. They're going to have a short target somewhere in there. So you got to have your short marks. It's all that. I just, 
I've been waiting to go back to Lodi and shoot this one again <laughs> for a long time. Um, also, other events coming up. Uh, Bow Hunters Unlimited. If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area or Northern or Central California, Bow Hunters Unlimited is like the Saratoga area, I think. Saratoga, is that right? It's kind of like northwest San Jose area. Uh, they're having a 3D shoot uh, part of the regionals. However, it's only 28 targets and two arrows. That's not very much shooting. Math will tell you that's only 56 arrows. Um, but it's 3D. It's going to be... It's it's worth the practice if you're nearby. All right. Um, also... Okay, I'm sorry. Bowhunters Limited, that is April 3rd. So that's coming up. Uh, Break the Barriers. The BTB and NFAA National 3D Open Team Open event. April 9th to April 10th. That's going to be in Freon. 102 targets, one arrow per target. I do believe it's a little orange spots on those. My boy Rudy and I got third and got us some belt buckles last year when we shot it. Uh, hey, the belt buckle says third place. That was a I was a huge accomplishment for me personally because I had wanted one of those belt buckles ever since I saw it. I remember my my coach, my buddy, and I in Vegas got to see those belt buckles before the first event. And my buddy said, dude, we have got to get us those belt buckles. Well, he has since stopped shooting. But I went and got one. <laughs> got one with my buddy Rudy. So uh, that's one more one more feather in the cap. Uh, that's a great event if you guys are looking forward to uh, more 3D. So those are the upcoming events. Uh, Lode Bowman 327. Bowhunters Unlimited 4-3. Uh, Break the Barriers 4-9 to 410. Those are the upcoming ones. There are more events coming down the pipeline. Uh, as you guys know, Like that's just for April. May, very beginning of May, is going to be Redding. So It's kind of like our outdoor Vegas, basically. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll keep pitching whatever I think is helping. Um, I'm trying to shoot 900 rounds uh, right now on my own when I can. Uh, it's pretty interesting. Like, you know, I start to see where I'm, where I'm weak in just my shot process, like just the way I'm shooting. Uh, and I've told you guys, I have like the super simple shot process. It's basically like four steps, <laughs> get there, draw the bow back, aim, rip it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, within all that, there's very nuanced little, Little things here or there that I can find in myself. Like, I need more repetition to tweeze out these issues. So, anyway. Thank you all for listening. This uh, podcast, as always, brought to you guys by DB Custom Coatings. They are doing a new bow. A hunting bow. Darren's just finishing up right now. It looks fucking sick. Uh, as soon as Darren lets me, I'm going to share the pictures on my uh, Facebook page, the Archery Unfiltered Facebook page. I'm getting another TRX-38. I'm getting it Cerakoted. 
I'm going to have an indoor outdoor bow. <laughs> that shit's going to happen. Um, I plan to pick it up Sunday and just give it to Darren right away to Saracote. So I can stop talking about thinking of getting it Saracoted and actually just say, look at my Saracoted bow. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. DB custom coatings, check them out. And, uh, carbon craft stabilizers. They're still the bomb. <laughs> um, I'm loaning out my, uh, my carbon craft bars right now to whoever wants to use them just so they can, you know, I'm trying to spread the gospel by just letting people shoot them and see how good it, they are. Um, you know, in the meantime, I'm fiddling around with bee stinger bars, uh, but there's a noticeable difference. And, and it's funny because I let a friend of mine try them, and he said, "Man, they're really, they're really damp, right? Basically, like there's no vibration when you shoot." And I never really thought about that. The main quality that I like in the carbon craft bar is how stiff they are, and to me, that super stiff bar comes through in your pin flow, in your aiming, right? The feedback between your hand and your pin and your eye, it all seems very instant. There's no, like, lag or anything. I guess there wouldn't be any lag anyway because it's real life, but it's not like you're dragging your pin anywhere. It's like it's connected to your hand. And I credit that to how stiff the bar is. Um, I did these deflection tests a long time ago, and I think what happens is when you have a bar that's extremely stiff, um, when you execute a shot, that stiffness is going to resist a lot of the bending that happens. So what you get is that dampen effect. Um, I, it, these tests are way deep down in my Instagram. So if you have time and you don't care about sifting through a bunch of baby, fo- like baby photos and videos, they're in there. I test a bunch of bars. I think I tested like four or five bars. And you can see the difference. It's a really like crackhead test that I did where I'll take the end of a stabilizer. I'll put like a point on the end of the stabilizer and put it on a tape measure. I'll pull pull each bar down with a D loop the same distance on on every every bar. I'll pull the same amount down. And I test the bars with weight and without weight. Like one ounce and then it was like five or ten ounces. I can't remember. Um, and I'll put the video in slow motion and then I'll release, I'll use a, a thumb trigger and I'll release the uh, D loop. Right. And then you can see how much that bar oscillates like flexes and for how long. And it's real interesting because the carbon craft bar stops o- oscillating really fast, but it also oscillates the least so there's something about you know probably a ton of unidirectional carbon i would imagine you know i'm not really a material science guy but if i were going to guess i would guess it's the type of carbon they're using in that bar uh it resists that motion a ton sometimes you'll see like mandrel wrapped stabilizers where you can see horizontal like (coughs) like horizontal wraps or like uh it's hard to explain. You want the carbon, and this goes, if you look at like a bicycle, right? The carbon that's going in the direction, the long direction of the tube, that's what you want to resist bending. That's what's going to resist it. Any carbon that's going vertical is not helping you, right? So that's my guess. Uh, 
for as to why it works. I don't know. I don't know the secrets behind it. All I know is the bar is the shit. All right. And I'm playing with B Stinger bars right now. They're good. They're cool. But they're only like 60% of what the Carbon Craft bar is. I did, however, see the Conquest Pro uh, like a month or like a week ago, two weeks ago. <laughs> My buddy Louie had the Conquest Smackdown Pro. And Louie runs a fuck ton of weight on his bars. This guy Louie's like basically Popeye with a bow. And for you millennials, Popeye is like this super yoked uh, guy that would abuse steroids. Uh, I don't know if Louie's doing steroids, but he's holding like 40 ounces in the back and like 30 ounces in the front. He's basic. He could basically just strap another bow to his bow. <laughs> um, you can see I'm laughing at my own jokes. But what's nuts is with 30 ounces on the front of his bow, I smacked the end of the stabilizer and it was like almost no flex. <laughs> now, I would like to try the SmackDown Pros and compare them to the Carbon Crafts, but I think there's probably going to be a trade-off. I would guess, because I haven't found any bars like the Carbon Crafts, I would guess the SmackDown Pros are going to be heavier. But... I don't know. I can't really say that until I try them. I definitely want to try them because they seem like the shit. But, you know, there's there's a trade-off. Um, if I ever get my hands on it and test it, I'll definitely hook it up to that jig and, and run a deflection test. If anyone out there has a 30-inch a SmackDown Pro that they want to donate for a week, send, you know, hit me up. I'll test it. We'll, we'll run the numbers. Like, you know, I weigh the bars... So you can see how much a 30-inch bar weighs. And then I'll do that little deflection test, blah, blah, blah. I'm not in the... I don't have the time to run every single bar. <laughs> I'm really just trying to find the best bar and how it compares. So, eh, maybe that's not very scientific. Maybe we really got to test them all, but I just don't have time. I think uh, my buddy Randall might come up with his own deflection system to test all the bars. But, you know... Some people don't like the ultra stiff quality. Some people want a softer bar. Me personally, I like the stiffest stabilizer I can get my hands on. <clears throat> All right. Well, I've jabbered your ear off long enough. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Like I said, it's going to be a podcast heavy week. So stay tuned. Hopefully, you guys can, uh, you know, hopefully I'm entertaining and I'm not just boring the shit out of you guys. All right. Uh, I'll catch you guys later. Uh, some dude named Hunter said he's going to sell me a laptop for cheap. Peace.